You're listening to the Ayn Rand Institute Live podcast series. The following is a recording of the Ayn Rand Institute's Philosophy for Living on Earth webinar series. Sign up to attend the next webinar live at bit.ly forward slash ARI webinars. Why are principles important in life by Keith Lockage. All right, welcome to Philosophy for Living on Earth. I'm coming to you live from the Ayn Rand Institute in sunny Southern California. So this is our weekly web series, exploring life's big questions and the answers to those questions coming from the ideas of Ayn Rand. So I'm Keith Lockich, I'm your host this week, and our big question for today is, why are principles important in life? So. As usual, I'm gonna present for about 15, 20 minutes or so, and uh, then we'll open up for Q&A and discussion. Now, I wanted to mention that today's big question is actually one that came out of our audience feedback. A couple of weeks ago, Elon Giorno was giving a presentation about the issue of compromise, and we got a lot of questions about principles. What are principles? Why are principles important? We thought, oh, that could be a whole session by itself. So the reason I mentioned this is that we totally welcome your input and your suggestions for big questions that we can address in the series. And this, this was one that came out of that. So please send us questions, send us big questions, send us topics you'd like us to uh, cover in the series, and we'd be happy to take those up. Okay, so, so let's jump in. So the question is, why are principles important in life? Now, what we're talking about more specifically here is moral principles. Principles aimed at providing guidance about how we should behave. You know, what sort of actions are right? What sort of actions are wrong? You know, my title image here is supposed to capture the idea of a moral compass, right? So the question is, why are moral principles important in life? And, you know, you might think, do we even need them at all, right? Why do we need a list of principles to tell us how to behave? Why can't we just do whatever we want to do? Why can't we just do whatever we feel like doing? Now, I think most people recognize that if we just do whatever we feel like doing, that's not going to be a recipe for achieving success and happiness in life, right? There are all kinds of things that we might feel like doing that are not actually good for us, right? There are things we might feel like doing in the moment, but that'll have bad consequences later on, right? So. You know, you might feel like it would be cool to see just how fast your car can go on the freeway and speed up to 150 miles an hour, right? That's not likely to end well. Or you might feel like eating an entire box of donuts, um, but you know that that's not going to be a very healthy choice, right? Or, you know, you might feel like skipping the final exam in your class. Um, sorry, let me just... Uh, um, you know, maybe you'd rather go see a movie instead. But again, you know, that's also not going to be a very good choice. So it seems pretty clear that we can't just follow our whims. You know, we do need some sort of rules or guidelines to follow. So what sort of rules can give us the kind of moral guidance that we need for success and happiness in life? Well, if you think about you know, rules that give moral guidance. What sort of thing comes to mind? I think, again, if you ask most people, you know, what, how, if you think about rules that give moral guidance, what comes to mind? I think the obvious thing that comes to mind is something like the Ten Commandments, right? So this is a list of rules that tell us how to behave, right? They tell us what we should or should not do, right? Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, right? Thou shalt not, you know, covet thy neighbor's ox, right? Assuming your neighbor has an ox. But, you know, thou shalt honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy. So, etc. So this is a list of rules telling us you should do this, but don't do that, right? So is this the kind of thing that we need? Is this the sort of thing that can give us moral guidance? Now, I would argue that the answer is no. And the reason is the problem with this idea is that there's nothing behind these rules. There's no explanation for why we should or shouldn't do these things. 
In the religious approach, the explanation is God said so, right? You know, there's no, there's no reasoning or argumentation behind it. God said, thou shalt not, and that's it, right? He carved it onto a stone tablet. What more do you want, right? So, you know, what if someone's charging at you with a gun? Are you allowed to shoot first in self-defense? Or are you not allowed to do that because, you know, thou shalt not kill? Or, you know, what if your father and mother are horrible child abusers? You know, do you still have to honor them? Thou shalt honor thy father and mother. There's no explanation for why we shalt or shalt not do these things. So there's no way to actually apply them in practice. They're just, they're just commandments that we're required to follow for no reason. Now, even if you don't accept religion, the fact is that the way most people approach morality is basically just a secularized version of the same idea, right? When we think about morality, we often view it as just a list of rules or commandments that we're required to follow. Why are you required to follow them? Because that's your duty. That's what it means to be moral. To be a good person, to be a person of principles, means to dutifully obey some list of moral rules. Now, the question is, is that really true? Is that actually what it means to be a person of principle? You know, is that really what principles are, a set of commandments that we follow out of duty? So, to make progress in exploring this question, I think we need to take a step back and, and get a little clearer on what principles are. So what exactly is a principle? Now, in contrast to this whole sort of duty-based, commandment-driven view of morality, Ayn Rand has a totally different conception of what principles are, a totally different perspective. So she has a, a different view of what principles are and how it is that they provide us with moral guidance. So let's explore that for a bit. So part of Rand's perspective on principles is that we need to think about moral principles in the same way that we think about scientific principles, right? We don't view scientific principles as being like the Ten Commandments, right? Scientific principles are broad generalizations that identify fundamental truths about the world. That's how we understand what scientific principles are, right? So that's important. So let me say that again and put it on the slide. Scientific principles are broad generalizations that identify fundamental truths about the world. So for example, the atomic theory is a principle that identifies the fundamental fact that all matter is made of atoms. So this is a very broad, abstract generalization. It applies to every material object, right? Not just to this pencil or this phone, right? But to everything made of matter, all of it is made of atoms. And it it names a fundamental truth about the composition of matter. Or think of um, Isaac Newton's law of gravity, okay? The principle of gravitation is not, you know, thou shalt fall down, right? The principle of gravitation is the broad generalization that all massive bodies exert an attractive force on each other. So the earth pulls on the apple and the apple pulls on the earth. Every massive body pulls on every other massive body. They all exert an attractive force on each other, right? And and there's this mathematical law that the force of attraction obeys and that's Newton's law of gravity. So, Scientific principles are not, you know, out of context rules or commandments. They're they're general truths that integrate a huge range of concrete facts about the world. Now, scientific principles are also causal principles. They're statements of cause and effect, which means that they help us to understand why things are the way they are and to make predictions about how things will be in the future. When when Isaac Newton formulated his laws of gravitation and his laws of motion, right, he was able to use them to understand and explain a zillion different things that people had struggled to understand for centuries, right? Why do the planets move in the orbits that they move in? 
Well, Newton's laws of gravitation and motion give you exactly the planetary orbits and explain exactly why they do that. Why do the ocean tides behave in the complicated way that they behave? If I throw a ball, why does it move in the shape of an exact parabola? Okay, so the principles that Newton identified explain the causes of all these wide-ranging phenomena. And we can use those principles to make highly accurate predictions, right? So if we want to, we can calculate the exact position that you know, the planet Jupiter will be in uh, eight months from now or 80 years from now. You know, we can just use Newton's laws and calculate exactly where it's gonna be. Or we can figure out you know, the exact height of the next high tide at Huntington Beach, which you know, is very useful to surfers. Or we, can, or, we can, or we can predict the exact date that Halley's Comet will return close to the Earth again, right? So what scientific principles give us is a deep understanding of the workings of nature. And we can use that understanding to explain and predict a huge variety of facts. Now, what Rand argues is that moral principles have a very similar character and they play a very similar role in human life. Now, what that looks like is something I, wanna, I need to elaborate on and explain. But let's just first summarize what we've covered so far as, a, as our first takeaway from today's presentation. So if the first question is just the basic question, what is a principle? What we've seen so far is that principles are not, are not commandments or out of context rules. What principles are are causal generalizations. In other words, they're fundamental truths that integrate and explain a vast range of concrete facts. Now, how does this apply to moral principles? Well, Ayn Rand's view is that we should think of ethics as a science, right? Um, to borrow a phrase from the objectivist philosopher Leonard Peikoff, ethics is the science of human self-preservation. So we need to treat ethics as a science. And what that means is that we have to take a very broad perspective on human life. We have to look at man's nature and ask, what kinds of values and actions are good for human beings and which are bad? What kinds of actions are gonna support human life and happiness? And what kinds of actions are gonna to lead to harm and self-destruction? In other words, what we have to do is we have to try to form very broad, abstract generalizations that identify fundamental truths about human nature and about the consequences of different types of choices and actions. Now, maybe that sounds a little bit familiar. What I'm saying is that we have to form principles that are very similar in character to scientific principles, broad generalizations that identify fundamental truths. So what does that mean exactly? What does that look like? So let's, let's take a particular example. So in Ayn Rand's system of ethics, one of, the, one of the moral principles that she advocates is the principle of honesty. Now, when you think about honesty as a principle, again, I think the way most people would interpret the, the idea of honesty as a moral rule is that it's a rule that basically says you shouldn't tell lies, right? I think this is the way most people think about it. And, and, and we hold it in our minds as in the same way that we hold these commandments, right? You, you think of it as being a commandment, you know, thou shalt never lie, right? Now, this is not at all the way Rand thinks about the principle of honesty. She has a totally different perspective on it. In her perspective, a moral principle is a causal principle. It's a generalization that tells you what the long-range consequences will be if you take a particular course of action or if you don't take a particular course of action. What is, what is, the, what is gonna result from that? So in the case of honesty, what is, what is the general truth that is being identified here? Well, let's think about what is it that actually is going on when someone tells a lie? Well, what happens when you lie is that you're, um, you're claiming that something is true 
when in fact it is not true, right? In other words, you're claiming reality is a certain way when in fact it's not that way. So you're trying to construct a fake version of reality and pretend that it's real. Now, what's the problem with doing that? Well, the problem is that reality actually is the way it is, right? Your fake version of reality does not actually exist. So what's going to happen is there's going to be all kinds of contradictions between what you're claiming and what is actually true. And to try to explain away those contradictions, you're going to have to come up with other lies, right? Where were you last night? Oh, I was at the office. Oh, really? Because Joe called from your office asking where you were. Uh, he said he really needed that report from you. Oh, uh, did I say I was at the office? Oh, we were at a meeting with a client, right? You get, you get the idea, right? You put yourself in a position of having to keep adding new lies to shore up the contradictions that result from this fake version of reality that you're trying to create. What ends up happening is you, you end up having to maintain this continually expanding web of lies and deception until the whole thing eventually collapses like a house of cards. And you see this all the time, um, you know, the famous financier, Bernie Madoff, who created this, this whole fake investment scheme that was all built on lies. You know, he kept having to expand the lies and, and um, you know, the, it got bigger and bigger until eventually the whole thing just collapsed. You know, it, it, it's, it's when you're trying to create a fake version of reality, it, it clashes with the actual reality and it, ultimately it becomes impossible to maintain. So the, the idea is that what the principle of honesty is, is it's an identification of cause and effect. If you try to create a fake reality, that will have a certain effect. And that effect is gonna be destructive and harmful in the long run. So in just the same way that scientific principles allow you to make predictions about nature, right? moral principles allow you to predict the consequences of different choices or different courses of action that you might take. Think about it this way. If you want to send a rocket ship to the moon, right, you can use Newton's laws of motion and gravitation to calculate the exact trajectory that you need to follow. If you launch a rocket at this angle and at this speed, Newton's laws will predict the exact trajectory the rocket will follow, right? And you can, you can figure out exactly what you need to do to get it to the moon, right? Well, in a, in a similar way, not exactly the same way, but in a similar way, a moral principle, like the principle of honesty, allows you to predict the trajectory of a human life. If a person adopts a certain basic approach, like trying to get away with faking reality, the principle, if they adopt the principle of dishonesty, that's going to lead to certain definite effects and shape his life in a certain definite way. So moral principles are, are causal generalizations. And what they do for us is they allow us to project the long-range consequences of different courses of action. So they help us to guide our choices by telling us what different types of fundamental choices will lead to. And so we can, knowing that, we can make, we can make better choices. Okay, so this is our second takeaway. Moral principles are causal generalizations that help us to understand the effects of different choices that we might make in life, and thereby they help us to act successfully in the world. All right, so we're getting close to the end of our time here. I just want to make one last final point, and that is to, you know, get to the big question that we're answering here. So now that we're clear on what principles are in general and what moral principles are in particular, we can, we can address the question of why are they important in life? Now, I think it, this follows naturally from what we've already discussed. I think, it's, I think it, it's clear that the reason principles are important is because they give us the kind of guidance that we need in order to guide our choices and actions. Human beings have a definite nature, like everything else that exists, right? 
we have to act in certain specific ways if we want to sustain our lives and achieve happiness. Now, unlike plants or animals, um, unlike plants or animals, hold on, I'm getting confused here. Um, sorry. Yeah. So we have to act in certain specific ways if we, want to, if we want to sustain our lives and achieve happiness. But unlike plants or animals, we're not programmed automatically to do that. Um, we don't have any kind of built-in instincts, right? We have, we have emotions, but our emotions are not any sort of fallible, infallible source of knowledge. So we already talked about the fact that we can't just do whatever we feel like doing because our feelings won't necessarily be aligned with what we need to do to live successfully and be happy. So we need, we need some kind of knowledge or guidance to inform how we should act. Now, we've also talked about the fact that that guidance can't just take the form of a set of, you know, out of context rules or commandments that we're supposed to just follow blindly. That won't give us the guidance that we need because it doesn't give us any causal understanding. There's no way to apply it in practice because there's no reasoning or explanation behind it. So what we need to succeed and achieve happiness in life are broad causal generalizations that name fundamental truths about human nature and that give us a standard for judging which kinds of actions will support our lives and happiness and which kinds of actions will work against us. And as we've seen, that is exactly what moral principles are in Ayn Rand's conception of morality. So that's what moral principles are, and that's why we need them in life. That's why they're important. So let's note this one down. Um, so moral principles are important because they, they provide universal standards that are grounded in human nature and that each of us can apply to our own lives to achieve success and happiness. Okay, so let's just summarize um, the three takeaways from today's presentation. So principles are not commandments or out of context rules. They're causal generalizations fundamental truths that integrate and explain a vast range of concrete facts. That's the first point. Second point is that moral principles are causal generalizations that help us to understand the effects of different courses of action or choices that we might make and thereby to act successfully in the world. So moral principles are important because they provide universal standards that are grounded in human nature and that each of us can apply to our own lives uh, to achieve success and happiness. All right. Now, um, this, the issue of principles is a very big subject. So this is in, in 20 minutes here, I think I've given a kind of introduction to Rand's perspective on what principles are and why they're important. There's a lot more that one can say. Um, and, uh, but uh, so to guide you in that, I want to give you some suggested readings. So first of all, I think it's always a good idea to take a look at Ayn Rand's novels. And in particular, with the issue of principles, what you see is in, in Rand's novels is a, is a sort of concretized presentation of what it looks like, a fictionalized presentation of what it looks like to see characters acting on different principles. The, the Fountainhead in particular is fascinating from this perspective because what Rand is doing there is she's contrasting, she's, she's, she's taking a whole set of characters and she's giving them opposite principles to live by in different ways. And then she follow them over the course of their life and you see how those different principles play out, some with success and some with not success. <laughs> um, so, so it's, it's, it's very interesting to read Ayn Rand's novels from the perspective of uh, the characters as embodying different principles. But I think with this issue, it's a kind of more advanced topic. And so the, I wanted to suggest some more advanced readings as well. Um, uh, so in, in Ayn Rand's book, The Virtue of Selfishness, the lead essay is a, is a systematic presentation of the objectivist ethics, and Ayn Rand elaborates on the moral principles that she um, espouses, and so that's, you'll get a complete picture of that. I also think if you really want to dig into the issue of principles, um, 
there's a chapter on 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 the moral virtues in uh, Leonard Peikoff's book, Objectivism: The Philosophy of Iran. So this is a this is a a systematic presentation of the whole philosophy of objectivism by Leonard Peikoff, who's a philosopher who's studied with Rand for 30 years. Um, so you know, if, if you if you want a more advanced presentation that covers the whole philosophy, that's that's uh, definitely worth reading. I also wanted to recommend an article which is available um, on the on our website. It's an article called Why Should One Act on Principle? It's both a talk and an article. It was originally given as a talk, but it's available as an article. Um, and I put the URL up here, uh, but, but if you just go and to our website and search for Why Should One Act on Principle, you'll be able to find it there also. Um, it's a great discussion of, of what principles are and why, why they're important. Okay, so um, so I think that brings me to the end of my presentation. Um, in just a minute, I'm going to be joined by my colleague, uh, Agustina Vergara-Sid, who's going to help me moderate the Q&A. But let me just say a little bit about the Q&A. Um, so I think I see a bunch of people have already uh, found the Q&A panel and submitted some questions. Um, if you're watching this live on Zoom, Take a look at the Zoom controls and look for a button that says Q&A. Uh, you can post a question there. We'll add it to the queue. Um, now, also, we do sometimes like to try taking audio questions if people have a good audio setup and, and you know, if you want to ask your question verbally. What I would suggest is if you want to ask your question live, when you post a question on the Q&A board, mention in the, in the post, you know, I'd like to ask it live. And then we can go. We can turn your allow you to turn your microphone on, and we can have a um, have a more dynamic interaction. Now, if we run into audio issues, we do reserve the right to kind of turn your microphone off and just take up the question ourselves. We don't want to spend time troubleshooting audio problems. But you know, let us know if you'd like to speak, and then um, if we get to your question in the queue, we can we can give that a shot. Um, just a couple of other things before we turn to the Q and A. I want to mention that we're going to be changing the web, this webinar series to a different day of the week. Starting a couple of weeks from now, uh, we're going to move to a different day of the week. So at the end of October, we're no longer going to be broadcasting on Saturdays. We're going to be moving to Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Okay. Now that's not going to happen for a couple of weeks. So, you know, We'll, you'll, we'll send out notifications and announcements. Everything will be um, spelled out clearly. Um, but I, I wanted to mention it now just to kind of give you a heads up that we're changing the day of the week for this. In the meantime, though, we are having a, another one of these next Saturday. Okay, so I encourage you all to join us next Saturday. Next Saturday, we're going to have Aaron Smith. And the big question that he'll be discussing is, is there a God? That's a very big question. Uh, so I think that should be a really interesting session. Uh, and again, it will be next Saturday, um, uh, one week from today, um, 10 a.m. Pacific time. So, so for the next couple, for the next week, it'll be it'll be at the usual time. Next couple of weeks, we'll be changing the date and time later. Okay. And again, if you're not registered, um, there's a URL there where you can register for the webinars. Okay. And again, as I said, let us know if you have any big questions you'd like us <coughs> to take up. As, as is evident from today's presentation, you know, if you suggest topics, we're happy to take them up um, if they fit with our audience and with our, our goals for the webinar. So please send them in, webinars at einrand.org, and send us questions. We actually got a question um, earlier in the week when we announced this topic, um, and that's great because we, we get questions in advance and we can, um, you know, uh, prepare and make sure we answer those. So, okay, now one last thing before we go to the Q&A, and that is uh, we like to do this audience poll. So something we've been doing from the beginning, because again, our goal for this series is to try to introduce new people, um, people who are, who are sort of not already familiar with Ayn Rand's ideas. So I'm gonna put up the survey here. And if you all could just let us know um, what your familiarity is. So how, uh, what's your familiarity with Ayn Rand? You know, are you someone who's never heard of her or you just uh, 
familiar a little bit, let us know. I'll keep the poll up during the Q&A and then uh, we can get, the, get those answers. All right, so I believe that is everything. So I am now going to stop my screen share and Augustina, you can, uh, um, if you'd like to come online, there we go. Hi, Keith. Hi, how are you? Good, glad to be Hi. here. That was a great presentation. I found it really clarifying. Okay, good, thank you. So what kind of questions do we have? All right, so we have that question from last week that you mentioned. Um, it's from Pooja. She asks, some use context as a get out of the of principle free card. When is it wrong and why? Get out of principle free card. Okay, so if I, let me just, uh, I, think I, I think if I understand the question, let me just elaborate on, on, on what I think the question is getting at and then I can, and then I can answer it. So um, we talked about the fact that principles are not these sort of dogmatic rules, you know, thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that. They're, they're generalizations that have to be applied to particular situations. And um, so what that means that we talked about honesty and the and we talked about the fact the principle of honesty is not never tell a you know you should never tell a lie right it's more nuanced than that it's much more subtle than that it's it's the question of um of of are you trying to create a fake version of reality or not? And, and in a given in a in a, in a and one implication of that is that in a particular situation it might be the case that it's completely appropriate to tell a lie. And the, the sort of standard example that people use for this is, you know, you get a knock on the door and it's, and it's an ax murder and he asks if your kids are home, right? Are you going to follow the principle of honesty? Say, oh, I should never tell a lie. So yeah, they're just upstairs hiding in the closet. No, you're going you're gonna to lie through your teeth. You're going to say, no, there are no kids here, right? So now that's kind of a contrived example, but, but the point is, um, you know, Given the context, there might be circumstances where it's perfectly appropriate to lie in a situation where it doesn't constitute a faking of reality. It might be the person has no right to the information that they're asking for. And so you, you know, so it's perfectly appropriate not to share that information with them. So, so then, but then the question is, if what you're saying is that principles are contextual and that they have to be applied in a given context, isn't that just a license to kind of ignore the principles? I think that's, and, and Pooja, if you're watching this, maybe you can, you can uh, affirm that this is what you're asking. So is this the idea that if, that if principles are contextual, they're not these sort of dogmatic absolutes that we just follow blindly, but they're contextual and they have to be applied, um, is the implication that they're not really absolutes and that we can just sort of ignore them. And, and, and you know, if 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 that's what the question is asking, I would I think the answer is no, because what the principle is doing, as we talked about in the presentation, it's it's giving us a deep understanding of the effects of different courses of action that you might take, and and what what the fact that a principle is contextual, what that means is that you have to do work to figure out how to apply that principle. So the principle, it's, the, the principle is still an absolute principle. It's, 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 a, it's an absolute fact that if you try to create a fake version of reality, you're, you're setting yourself up in conflict with the way things actually are, and that's going to lead to contradictions and it's going to lead to problems. It's going to, it's going to lead to destructive effects. Now, what, how those play out and what that looks like and how, what you should actually do and how you can rectify it, that's what it means to take the context into account and to, um, and to uh, apply the principle in practice. But it's not a get-out-of-principle-free card, if that's, if, if that's what you're asking. So I, think, so I think that's a good elaboration on uh, – it's a good question because it's sort of a good elaboration on what exactly does it mean – and, and um, you know, what exactly are principles and what does it mean to say that they're contextual? So 
That makes sense. Yeah. I see and a lot of people posting questions in the chat or posting comments in the chat. It would be useful if you post them on the Q&A board. But uh, anyway, go ahead. Uh, uh, while, you, while you come up with the next question, I'm just going to kind of scan the Q&A board here. Yeah, so we have another question from an anonymous person. It says, you were talking about how moral principles are similar to scientific principles in that they can project a future course of action, right? Uh, but doesn't the fact that people have free will change that in a way? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, actually, because, yeah, so, um, right, so I, I, I hope I didn't give the implication that moral principles are exactly like scientific principles, you know, that they're exactly the same thing. Um, the fact that people have free will is a, is obviously a fundamental fact. And so what it means is that people are not deteristic. I get, I, I made the, I, I can see why, where this question might come from. Cause I gave this example of the rocket ship, you know, and then I said that you can project uh, the trajectory of the human life in the same way. So when you're calculating a rocket ship trajectory, rocket ships trajectory to the moon, that's a deterministic kind of process. And, and um, you know, if you, if you, you know, launch with the, this speed and this velocity and this angle and all this, it will, it will follow that exact trajectory if you do the calculation correctly, right? Now, it's not true that a, that a human being has, is, is set on a deterministic course because we have free will. We can always, we can always course correct. We can always make um, adjustments. We can make different choices in the future. So the similarity is... What, what's similar between moral principles and scientific principles is this idea that they're, they're broad generalizations that name fundamental truths about, about the causal uh, effects of, of different courses of action. Um, and now, in the case of moral principles, the fact that we have free will what that the the um, the reason that's important is that the the this is I mean partly this is why we need moral principles because we have a choice about um, which general which which fundamental courses of action we want to take. Do we want to adopt the principle of honesty as a principle and and use that to guide our life, knowing what the effects will be if we act this way versus if we act this way. We have a choice about that, and so and so, um, uh, so there's so moral principles and scientific principles are similar, but they're but they they're um, they have this they have this important difference, and it's important to take that into account. So, yeah, good question. Um, that's a good segue to our next question. So you mentioned the difference between scientific principles and moral principles. But what is the difference between principles and virtues for Ayn Rand? Okay, so um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think what I would say is that a the the concept of a principle is wider, is the broader term. So there are, you know, as I said, principles are, you know, fundamental truths, fundamental generalizations. Um, that name fundamental truths about the world. So you, so you know, you have scientific principles, you have moral principles, you have epistemological principles, right? You have principles in all different areas: principles of economics, principles of psychology, uh, principles of you know, uh, effective driving. I mean, there's principles. Um, now they have to be at a certain level of fundamentality. So, you know, I wouldn't say they're yeah. So, so, um, so. Uh, if you if you ask about virtues, the, a, a virtue is a is a type of principle, and and so um, it's it's a it's a fundamental moral principle um, aimed at providing this sort of guidance. So in in Ayn Rand's ethical system, she kind of lists you know uh, half a dozen or so uh, virtues, but the way she understands those you know and you know the, they're like. Honesty is one of them, but there's rationality, independence, integrity, productiveness, that sort of thing, independence. 
and um, so these are these are principles in the way that we describe the principle of honesty. So they name fundamental truths about the world that are intended to guide your action. Um, and so, so uh, yeah, so, so a, a virtue is, is a moral principle at this kind of level of fundamentality. Right, that makes sense. The type of principle, yeah. yeah. Um, our next, next question uh, comes from the Q&A module, is from Nandan. He or she says, rules are the same for everyone. Principles can be dif different. How do you objectively operate with people with different principles? Well, I think I would, I would challenge the question a little bit that principle, rules are the same for everyone, principles can be different. Um, there's, that's, there's a way in which that's true and there's a way in which it's not true. So part of the whole um, idea about moral principles is they are, um, their generalizations grounded, their generalizations about human nature. So if we say that, that if we talk, if we give the example of the principle of honesty, um, or let's take a different example, you know, think about, so one of the virtues that Ayn Rand espouses is the principle of productiveness, right? Um, and it's the idea that, that, you know, we don't just find the things that we need out in nature ready for us to sustain our lives. We have to work, we have to create the products that we need to, to achieve our life and happiness, right? Um, so that is a, that's a general truth that applies to all human beings. It's a universal principle. So, it, and it, so at that level of generalization, it's the same, that's the same for everybody. Every human being uh, has to is is in a position where they don't just get the things they need ready-made in nature, they have to produce them, they have to create them. Now, what's different is each person has to apply that principle to the particulars of their own life. And so what's different is the application. So the principle of productiveness says, you know, one, one implication of it is that people need to work for a living. You can't be, you can't, um, you know, you can't expect that nature will just bestow bounties on you without having to work for it, right? But that doesn't imply, you know, but the principle of productiveness doesn't say, you know, it doesn't tell you what that has to look like in particular. Like, you've got to be a doctor, you've got to be a lawyer, you've got to be an artist. So each person has to take that principle and apply it to their own lives. And that involves thinking about their own values, the kind of work they like to do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, so, in, so I think what Ayn Rand would argue is that, that the, 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 the fundamental principles that people um, should follow are the same for everybody. And, and, you know, they're those moral virtues that we talked about. What's different is the application. And it's the same with scientific principles. I mean, it's not, it's not you wouldn't say Newton's law of gravity is true for you, but not for him. Right. It's the, the Newton's law of gravity is a universal principle that is that uh, that applies to everybody, to every to every massive object in the universe. Right. So they're not. Um, uh, so it's the same. It's the same with moral principles. They're they're universal truths that serve as a standard for figuring out, you know, in the particulars of my own life, what do I need to do? That. That's related to our next question, uh, which Fred asked in the Q&A. Why do some people find it so difficult to act on principle? Well, I think, um, so one of the things, I, I mean, I think one implication of what we talked about today is that we're used to thinking about principles as these sort of rules that we just sort of follow blindly, right? It's, it's, and there's a way in which that is kind of, it's easy. I don't want to, I don't want to say it's easy to do that, but it, but the point is it's, it's, there's a, there's a, a way in which if you're just following commandments in that way, you can do it in an unthinking way. If, if principles have the kind of character that I've just described, what, what that implies is it actually, 
that's kind of complicated. It's it's not obvious. It it takes a lot of work to apply them to your own life. So the you know you first have to. So first of all, their their fundamental truths, generalizations that apply to all human beings in the same way that scientific principles are fundamental causal generalizations. Now think about how much work you have to do to understand a scientific principle, to learn, you know, Newton's laws of motion and gravitation or to learn the atomic theory. And people go to school and study this for years, right? Even to just, so to, so to, if, if the principle of honesty is, is a very, is a, is a perspective on what happens when you fake reality, it, it what I've given is just, you know, a five minute summary of the virtue of honesty. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more that you can say about what that principle means, where it comes from, why it's true, how to apply it, why doesn't, you know, why can't you, um, you know, can't you just tell this lie and keep it delimited and then it won't get, won't expand and blow up on you. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's difficult because it takes a lot of work to understand the principle. And then it takes a lot of, of thinking and effort to, about, to think about one's own life and one's own particular situation and think about um, how you're going to apply it. I mean, we talk about the principle of productiveness. I mean, think about how much time and effort people spend in thinking about and planning their careers, right? We go to school for years. And then we've got, we spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about different possible career options. We have to choose a particular path and then, you know, go try it out, get an internship or, or, uh, you know, try that job out, see if you actually like it. What kinds of work do you like to do? What kinds of work do you not like to do? There's so much that goes into that. And, 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 and this is the process of, of, of living your life and trying to achieve happiness. Um, that's not, a, a, a very that's not a simple thing it's not a matter of simply just sort of simply following a blind set of rules it's it's a lot of thinking and a lot of work to understand the principles and apply them um, so I, I wouldn't say the, the the question is why do some people find it difficult to act on principle I would say acting on principle is difficult and some people you know find it harder than others because they're not don't necessarily put in the effort or put in the work um, and um, I think our next question also relates to what you just said. Uh, acting on principle is d- difficult and uh, it takes a lot of thinking and sorting out. Um, so Nicolette asks, doesn't acting on principle affect one's self-esteem and consequently the possibility of happiness? And the way I interpret it is as, as you sort this out, all these principles out, and as you think about uh, how to act on principle and the fact that that is difficult, like that process, doesn't that affect your self-esteem and doesn't that make you unhappy for a while? Um, I mean, it, it can, but what, I mean, so there's a virtuous circle that gets set up because, so the, the whole topic of self-esteem is, is a kind of a big question. I think Ilan Giorno gave a webinar on on the issue of self-esteem a couple of weeks ago. So you can check out the YouTube video of that. That's on the Ayn Rand Institute YouTube channel. Um, but uh, what I'll say briefly is, so what is what is self-esteem? Self-esteem is a is an estimation of oneself that one is that one is capable of taking the actions that are necessary to achieve life and happiness and that one is worthy of doing that. It's this dual kind of estimate. So I think what um, if you, I think what I would say is that if you think of moral principles as being these sort of blind Ten Commandment type of rules, that's going to have a a bigger negative impact on your self-esteem because there's no, um, they're they're not grounded in any kind of reasoning or explanation about the way the world actually is. And they put you in conflict. So because of that, they put you in conflict with reality. So you try to do something and it fails, right? Or you, uh, you try to understand something and you can't figure it out. If you, if you have, uh, 
principles in the way that Ayn Rand conceives of them. And if they're true and they're grounded in, in, in the way human nature actually is, trying to understand them is going to, um, it's going to illuminate and, and make, it's going to make the world clearer and easier to understand. You're going to have a, you're going to have a better understanding of why things play out the way they do. You know, why, why do people behave the way they do? Why do I have the emotional reactions that I behave, that I, that I have and so on. And, um, and then, if you if you start to apply them and you start to apply them successfully, it sets up a virtuous circle where you recognize that you can you're capable of understanding how these things work, how to apply them, and how to act successfully in the world, and and that gives you more confidence that you're worthy of doing it, and and, and it and it uh, um, it sort of spirals in a virtuous virtuous circle. So so yeah, I don't think there's a I don't think I mean. If you now, one thing that I would say is, you know, if you're somebody who's followed a certain set of moral guidelines or moral principles your whole life, and 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 you and you discover, you know, that maybe there's something wrong with them. Let's say you were raised in a very religious way, and you followed certain principles, and now you're starting to question that. Um, yeah, that 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 kind of transition can definitely affect your happiness in the in the short term but you know to the extent that you're aligning your understanding of the world with the truth and trying to apply it in practice it's only gonna you know ultimately it's only gonna uh make things better so that's clarifying uh we have another question from Yushval. i'm sorry if i mispronounce your name uh, in the q a is the difference between a rule and a principle that a rule is prescribed by an authority of some sort and a principle is arrived at following free investigation of reality by the individual? I, I think I, I would say that there is something that's right about that. But one thing I would say, you know, the a principle, when you put it as a principle is arrived at by free investigation of reality by the individual. So you can learn a principle from somebody else, right? Like the, the, the explanation of what the principle of honesty is, isn't something that I came up with by myself. I got that from Ayn Rand. Um, in the same way that I didn't get the law of gravity myself, I got that from Isaac Newton, right? So, um, so I think it's, it's not a question of, do you do it yourself or do you get it from someone else? I wouldn't put it that way. Now, but, uh, but I think it's right to say, is it something that you're just accepting blindly on authority versus something that you're accepting as a result of independently um, grasping reality and understanding it for your own mind? So in that, if, when, you, when you put it in that sense, you know, investigation of reality by the individual, then yes, that's exactly correct. So the, what, I'm, what I'm contrasting here are, are um, blind dogmas that you accept from an authority figure as a commandment that has no context, no explanation, nothing behind it. Mm -hmm. You just do it as a duty. And it doesn't have, and these don't have to be religious dogmas. I mean, they're, they're secular dogmas as well. Um, there, there are definitely secular authoritarians who, uh, who, who try to impose dogmas on people. So, um, but, so the difference is, are you, is it, are you, are you accepting it as a dogma or what, even if you're getting it from somebody else, are you yourself making the independent effort to try to understand the meaning of the principle and how to apply it in reality? That's the that's the difference between a yeah. So that's the difference between a rule, the rule in the way I'm describing rules and a, and a principle. That makes sense. Um, the next question comes from Maria. She's asking, does choosing our own principles and thus being a principle person has some impact, any kind of impact in society? Um, well, 
I think that, yeah, so, um, to the extent that you are a person of principles that can have a positive influence on the people around you and on the people who you interact with. So, um, you know, there are, it, there, in, in, in different periods of history, you see times when people were more principled and people were less principled. You know, the, the Enlightenment and the period in the founding of the United States of America, if you look at the kinds of moral standards that the founding fathers lived by, you know, and uh, George Washington has that great quote about, you know, we need to raise a standard to which the wise and honest can repair, right? Um, he's saying we need to uphold moral principles that, um, that can be an inspiration to others to recognize the value of those principles and to adopt those principles. And so, yeah, absolutely, um, being a principled person and, and advocating for principles explicitly um, uh, has an impact on people. And I, and I think, you know, you, you, we often hear stories about people who, um, who, you know, sort of people who are interested in, in Ayn Rand's ideas, you know, they, a friend of theirs became intrigued to learn more about Ayn Rand's philosophy objectivism because they thought, wow, this friend of mine, you know, has not only has really interesting views, but they're a really good person. They really live their life in a very, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that's worthy of emulating. And I, I want to find out more about that. What makes that person tick? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I, 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 I um, practice these moral virtues that I, that I learned from Ayn Rand. And, you know, that's what guides my life. And they're like, wow, that's really inspiring. So, um, yeah, absolutely. That can make the difference. I see one of our attendees has the hand raising function. Um, although, let, let's see. I guess we only have. Yeah, go ahead. Is there one more question that we can take up? Uh, yes. Brad is asking, for someone starting out in objectivism, what would be the first principle to focus on? Well, um, I'm not sure I would. I mean, there's different ways you can answer that. Uh, I, I would I would say it depends what you're familiar with. So if you've never read the book The Fountainhead, I would read The Fountainhead. And there, this isn't sort of explicit, but there are sort of two principles that are really emphasized in that book, and those are the principles of integrity and independence. Um, the character of Howard Rourke really embodies those, you know, in a, in a fundamental way. Now. You know, if you if you if you're a little bit more familiar and you want to um, dig deeper, I mean, there's a way in which the principle of rationality um, is is the fundamental virtue. It's the one that sort of encompasses all the others. But uh, so you know, it depends what you're interested in. Um, if you're really interested in 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 um, systematically exploring this. I would pick up a copy of Leonard Peikoff's book, Objectivism, the Philosophy of Ayn Rand, and, and read through the chapters on morality there, because that's, that's a sort of systematic elaboration of, of all these ideas. Yes, that's really a fantastic book. Um, all right, we are almost at time. So do you have any final remarks, Keith? Um, I think, let me just share my screen again, and let me just remind everybody, um, oh, uh, I went to the slide, but I didn't share my screen, let me do that, uh, there we go. Yeah, so just a reminder that, um, so, I mentioned that we're going to be changing the week sometime down the road. Don't worry about that yet. Uh, next week, we'll be back, same time, same bat time, same bat channel. Um, and Aaron Smith is going to be asking the big question, is there a God? So uh, 
just a little controversial topic there. Um, so tune in next week, subscribe if you're not already subscribed, get notifications, all that good stuff. And please, if you have any questions you want us to take up in a future episode, send it to webinars at einran.org. And uh, we will look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Ayn Rand Institute Live podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also find us on YouTube. If you like this content, please share or leave us a review. For more information, go to aynrand.org.